depression is a symptom, and it's a symptom that can be caused by a lot of different things. I think where we make a mistake in the church is we assume it's always and limited to being a spiritual issue, when it can be a number of things that can have the common denominator of a depressed mood. Welcome to Life, Love, and Family. You know somebody who's wrestling with depression? Maybe bipolar disorder or some other type of mental challenge? Hey, what about Christians and medication? A lot of questions out there. Stay close. Dr. Michael Lyles, a leading Christian psychiatrist, stops by. Welcome into Life, Love, and Family. This is Dr. Tim Clinton. Did you know that mental illness is the number one cause of disability in North America? According to the NIMH, National Institute for Mental Health, and other experts, about one in four adults, that's a little more than 25% of Americans ages 18 and older, suffer from a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year. About 12 million people in the United States have a serious or chronic mental illness, such as major depression, bipolar disorder, or schizophrenia. Antipsychotics have become a top-selling class of drugs in the United States. 20% of kids in the U.S. are at least mildly impaired by some, quote, diagnosable mental illness. I know those statistics are shocking, but we've got someone special here to talk about it. Dr. Michael Lyles is a graduate of the University of Michigan, six-year pre-med program. He completed his psychiatric residency at Duke University. He was also recipient of the North Carolina Neuropsychiatric Association Resident of the Year Award. He was an assistant professor of psychiatry and associate director of the outpatient services at the University of Kentucky College of Medicine. He has worked in the private sector in a community mental health center, state psychiatric hospital, and county and state and federal prisons. He's board certified in adult psychiatry by the American Board of Psychiatry and Neurology. He specializes in mood disorders, anxiety disorders, and ADHD. He has published over 60 professional works and videos. He's an executive board member of the American Association of Christian Counselors, and he's a dear friend. Dr. Lyles, welcome back to Life, Love, and Family. I'm just happy to be here, Tim. Pretty sobering stats. It's no secret. Uh, it's in the church, too. A lot of issues. Uh, when you stand on the uh, pulpit and look out and think that one out of four or maybe one out of five people there either personally have something going on in their lives that's relevant to mental illness or someone in their family that has something going on, that, that, that really sobers you pretty quickly. Mike, in your practice, uh, what are the top two, three issues that uh, you're seeing on a daily basis? A lot of trouble with depression, a lot of trouble with anxiety, 
sleep problems. In a specialty practice like mine, I see a lot of patients that are bipolar being sent to me by family doctors and OBGYNs who thought they just had depression. So you see a wide spectrum of things, and that's before you even get to the whole issue of addictive disorders. (laughs) Mike, in Christianity, there's been some challenges with embracing the whole issue of mental disorders, such as depression. Christians shouldn't get depressed. You shouldn't be wrestling with worry and anxiety and more. We've heard all that. How do you think we're doing now in the church? You and I would both agree right up front, there are probably some people on medication who may not need to be on it, some who are not on it. It, who probably do need to be on it. But, Mike, how do you feel the church is doing right now when it comes to this issue? For years, I was one of those people in the church who felt that Christians would never have problems with depression if they were walking in the Spirit. When I went into psychiatry, the person who led me to the Lord and two of my best mentors all were very upset because they said Christians don't have these problems, that I would be casting my pearls before swine. But I wish the human body paid attention to that. About three hours ago, I saw a young woman in my practice who is involved in vocational Christian ministry and who was suffering. This woman is a better Christian than I'll ever be. And she was suffering with depression, and a lot of it had to do with hormone problems. Depression is a symptom, and it's a symptom that can be caused by a lot of different things. I think where we make a mistake in the church is we assume it's always and limited to being a spiritual issue when it can be a number of things that can have the common denominator of a depressed mood. Mike, since we're on depression, let's talk about what it is. Everybody's going to get down, discouraged. Everybody gets the blues, as the old song says, Mike, but brief mood fluctuations, sadness, disappointment, frustration, that's part of life. Depression's going a little bit deeper than that, though, isn't it? Yes, when we talk about clinically relevant depression, we're talking about feeling sad, down, and blue for weeks on end, and it's affecting your functioning. You're having trouble sleeping. You're having trouble eating. You can't think straight. You're isolating from people. The world becomes uh, very negative and hopeless. People even have suicidal thoughts. It's more than just feeling a little down and sad. As you pointed out, it's the number one cause of disability in this country, but before we think it's just an American phenomenon, it's the number two cause of disability in the world. I saw recently, too, Dr. Lyles, where depression is on the rise. They say for those who were born after, I think, 1950, you're 10 times more likely to battle with depression, say, than your parents did. Ages 25 to 45, greatest percentage of people, adolescents, fastest rate of depression growth and more, very common in elderly, in women, two times more often than men diagnosed. Are you finding those statistics to be true? Absolutely. You know, the big argument has been, is there an increase in the amount of depression or an increase in the recognition of it? There you go. I think it's a little bit of both. Hmm. But definitely, uh, going back to the 1970s, when I was a baby Christian uh, in my teens and in medical school, depression was something that people didn't talk about at all. Uh, You didn't have radio shows like this, particularly in the Christian community, where people talked openly about having depression. I might add that one of my the person that led me to Christ suffered a depression years later. And he didn't believe in it till he tasted it himself. So it's something that's been around forever. It's just that our recognition of it is changing. Another alarming statistic, Mike, about 30% of people who battle with major depression actually attempt suicide. Yes. That's really an intention grabber right there. 
And a lot of times the suicide isn't as obvious. You know, obvious the person that does something, cutting their wrist, taking an overdose, that kind of thing people recognize as being suicidal. What they don't recognize is the people who start overeating and make themselves sick or the people who stop taking their medications for medical problems that they have or the people who get involved in activities that are very dangerous, driving recklessly, uh, getting involved in, in dangerous relationships, at-risk sexual behavior, all kinds of very negative things that can kill them more slowly. Or drinking. Oh, the biggest thing is drinking, the self-medicating with alcohol and pain pills uh, that people will do to try to help themselves to feel better, and it's just a, a much, much slower rate of suicide. Let's throw out some encouraging news here for a moment, Mike. (laughs) I got this piece here. 80 to 90% of people with depression respond positively to treatment and almost all gain some type of relief if they seek help. But they have to first, quote, recognize and be honest about what's going on in their life, right? Do you find that to be true? I like that word you said, honest. Be honest. Uh, It's kind of like at the end of Psalm 139 where David says, Search me and know my heart and try me and see if there's something going on inside of me. You know, he wants to be honest about what's going on inside of him. He says, God, search me, help me to see what's going on inside of me, and then lead me to a solution. You know, and that's the main thing people with depression need to do. Uh, Don't play games about what's going on. Don't try to explain it away. Be honest that you're having a problem. And then see someone professionally. It doesn't have to be a psychiatrist. Most people with depression start off with a family practice doctor, internal medicine, or OBGYN. You may need to be involved in, in some therapy or counseling. You might need to be on medication. But the first thing is to find out what's going on. I have people that have depression because of vitamin deficiencies, hormone problems, all kinds of things that have nothing to do with what people usually think of when they think of depression. Sleep apnea, a huge cause for depressive symptoms. Dr. Laws, let's stay then with the causes of depression uh, for a moment. I wrote down biological, and some add a second word, physical. Can you help us understand both of those? When most people think about biological, they're referring to the fact that the brain is an organ just like any other organ in the body. The biggest area of research in psychiatry right now is on inflammation, uh, how inflammation affects your heart, how inflammation affects your pancreas and makes people diabetic. But inflammation also affects your brain, and chronic stress and other inflammatory variables affect your brain just like every other organ in the body. That really makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And your brain can be subject to the same insults medically and physically that other organs of the body can have and can have changes in how it functions that affects the way we feel. You know, when we speak of chemical imbalances in the brain, we're really talking about changes in how the brain is functioning, some of which are genetically mediated. For example, you hear people talk about that word serotonin. We can now do genetic testing, thanks to the Mayo Clinic, that looks at whether you have the right genes and chromosomes for how you manage serotonin, the so-called long allele versus short allele on one of the chromosomes for control of serotonin functioning or serotonin receptors. And it serves as a marker for why certain forms of depression might run in families based on genetic issues like diabetes does. So you've got a, a bunch of biological things with the brain. Then you have the whole medical thing that refers to the variety of medical illnesses Illnesses like diabetes, medications like antihypertensives, uh, the effect of other organ systems like we were talking about with ovarian dysfunction, 
uh, sleep apnea for the brain is suffocating, a number of medical problems that can result in the brain becoming compromised. So biology could be an in- indicator. Physical arena, people talk about sleep issues, diet, postpartum, thyroid, even nutritional shortages like B12, that included in all this? Yeah, the big one that people, there are two vitamins that have gained a lot of attention lately. has been vitamin D, which is almost an epidemic according to the New England Journal of Medicine, that if you have very low vitamin D levels, you would be at risk for having depressive symptomatology. People who don't get out and get any sun or drink dairy might be at risk for depressions because of very low vitamin D levels. A normal level would be above 30. I've seen patients with threes and fives and sevens. Their depressions went away when they replaced their vitamin D. Folic acid deficiency, we now know that there are people who don't absorb folic acid properly into their brain, which is one of the B vitamins, and that impairs your ability of your brain to make serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine so that you could end up with the so-called chemical imbalances because of a deficiency in uh, folic acid. Special guest today, Dr. Michael Lyles, leading Christian psychiatrist out of Atlanta, Georgia. We're talking about mental disorders, specifically depression right now. And we're going to be talking about the role of medication and more here in just a moment. We've talked about biology. We talked about physical issues. Spiritually, bitterness, guilt, lack of confidence maybe in God, satanic assault. Mike, would you put all those in to possibly a recipe creating a depression in someone's life? People have done outcome studies on depression have always said that just taking medication alone, if someone has that kind of depression, it needs to be on an antidepressant, that that's not the full answer, that they need to address the issues that are going on in their life, some of which can be very spiritual. One of the things we see a lot are people who've had trauma in their lives that are having to work through forgiveness issues, work through anger towards God issues, unconfessed sin in in areas where they have come short spiritually in their life are, are in play. As you look at the total rehabilitation of that person, not just whether they have depressed mood or not. you got just this myriad of things that can compound and make for a very, how about a, just a tough day at the office, Mike? Interpersonal issues. How about bad marriages, loneliness, relational conflict, stress? What about the big word stress, just eating everybody up? And a lot of times, a lot of that relational stuff is baggage from relationships with uh, families of origin, things that have happened, you know, old hurts, old pain from a long time ago that's, that the root of which has never been addressed. That's why a lot of times for people to get better, it takes a village. It takes not just a doctor giving them an antidepressant, if that's indicated. It takes people doing counseling. It takes getting involved in a loving, accepting church where people can be honest and open and talk about what's going on and get discipled and spiritually fed and develop healthy relationships and see healthy relationships modeled in front of them. Hmm. Signs of depression, if I'm listening right now, how do I know if I am or someone I love is depressed, Mike? Are there some, well, give some of the common indicators that you check off on the list that say, you know what, we've got something presenting here that we need to talk about. This is the person who no longer comes to Bible study or Sunday. I'm going to talk about it in a church setting. Uh, the person who is no longer coming to fellowship activities, the person who is avoiding contact with you, they're having trouble sleeping, uh, wake up in the middle of the night most of the time, or they sleep all the time, or they're losing weight because they've lost their appetite. In some cases, people overeat and gain a bunch of weight in atypical forms. 
If it's in a marital situation, a person is more irritable. They may lose their pleasure drives, including their sex drive. They may have trouble remembering things. Um, if it's a student or if it's somebody with an academic job, making a lot of mistakes uh, cognitively because they can't think straight. And then, of course, that hopelessness, helplessness, crying at the drop of the hat. I call it crying at red lights. The spell just comes over you out of nowhere without there being a trigger to start crying. Uh, this is when depression becomes the focus of your every day as opposed to something that might just be a side note on the day. And I, and I want our listeners to understand this too, Dr. Lyles, that depression kind of fits on a continuum. You can move from kind of mild depression to a mild sort of cyclical piece you go through with highs and lows to more major extreme types of depression too. It isn't just that we're looking for the person who's out there saying they're going to kill themselves. Depression runs on a continuum, and, it, and they're all significant, right? They're all significant, and, and to the person that's listening that says, I don't, I'm not that bad, it's just a little mild, one of the things I don't like about what I do for a living, Tim, is that a lot of times, particularly with my Christian patients, they've been sick for three, four, five years before they come for help. And what was mild five years ago has now turned into moderate to severe Marriages have been affected, jobs have been affected, children have been affected, health has been affected. I wish people would get help when it was mild, or at least, you know, ask somebody what's going on while it's mild. What about help? I've got some issues or someone I love, uh, and I'm checking off the boxes here, and I'm saying we need, to, we need to do something. Dr. Laos, what would be the first step that you would recommend? Obviously, if the potential for some type of biology or physical issue is there, they've got to see a medical professional, right? I tell people, who's the safest person you can go see first? I mean, in the real world, who are you going to feel comfortable telling? That might be your pastor. It might be the person that leads your small group. But you need to talk to somebody and stop. Isolation is fertilizer for this stuff. Yes, it is. So talk to somebody, whoever is a safe person. And then with the support of that person, like I said, at least see a primary care doctor. That's a good first place to start. Most people are afraid to come see somebody like me for a lot of reasons, a lot of stigma, a lot of fear. And in some places, a lot of your listeners, there aren't any psychiatrists around them. And it may not be the first place they need to go anyway to your primary care doctor. If, if there are issues coming up that you know you need to work on, talk to your pastor or talk to a therapist in your community about getting some counseling, some therapy. But the key thing is own it and ask somebody. Let's talk about medication, Dr. Lyles, for a moment. People wrestle with it. They think, well, that's just, uh, just going to happen. It's just par for the course. You're going to treat symptoms, going to throw them on some type of uh, mild antidepressant, and here we go. Uh, what's your response to that? Oh, that can be true, that somebody can just take an antidepressant and do nothing else and get you know, partially well. But the, as we've talked about earlier, even when medication is indicated, medication can make a big difference because sometimes people get stuck in depressions and it's just going downhill rapidly, and they need the medication. I've had a lot of patients, a lot of patients, who will get on an antidepressant, come out of their depression. You should stay on it for first episode, oh, 8 to 12 months, and a minimum of six, well. And the person takes it for about, oh, four or five months, feel better, and they don't think they need it anymore, and they stop it sure. uh, because they don't want to take it anymore. And even though we've been very clear up front with how long, we're not saying forever, 
you know, eight, 12 months. Well, they come back about four or five months later, and they're right back where they started again. As my father once told me, you can do something right the first time, or you get to do it over and over and over again. <laughs> and that's the way it is with, with proper medication treatment for anything. People often ask questions about uh, medication. How long does it take to get some type of effect going? Uh, how long does it take before it works, kicks in? Most people, two to four weeks, but really up to six weeks with an antidepressant to assess benefit, to beginning of benefit. I, I know that there have been a lot of advances in medication recently. You can actually even target different types of depression with different types of medication. Right. Um, but a person's physical makeup, whether or not they respond well to certain medications too, need to be in place. So med management, Dr. Laos, has got to be a part of this process. You don't just go see a doctor once and then uh, get a prescription and never go back again, right? Correct. Correct. Because the dosage may change. A side effect issues may come up. Or you may not get as well as you should get. If you're going to take a medication, get the proper benefit. Don't get half well, then come off of it and think that it's not going to come back. You indicated earlier, too, that the real treatment of choice, though, would be if medication is indicated, they would need to go through some type of psychotherapy because the one thing medicine can't give you is hope. Right. Medication can give you hope in that you see that you're, you don't have to be depressed. In that respect, medication can give you a certain level of hope, but real hope is about long-term benefit. And if there's stuff you need to work on, just feeling better today doesn't address you know, the baggage from yesterday or the changes you need to make in your life going forward to keep you from going right back to the same place again. What about um, St. John's Ward, other homeopathic type of um, helps? What's your response to those issues? People have for a long time tried a number of, of homeopathic things, 5-HTP, uh, St. John's Ward. It's a whole long list of them. And for some people with very, very mild depressions, they've been shown to help. The, the problem with those, that those are medications also, even though you can get them you know, over-the-counter at Kroger, they still have interactions with other medications. For example, St. John's Ward, if you're taking birth control pills, the birth control pills don't work. That's a problem. Yeah, that'd be a problem. You have a lot of kids <laughs> named John. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you have, if you're going to go that route, do it intelligently and know if this is something that's going to mix with the... Uh, for example, people that are HIV positive taking medicines for that, St. John's Ward affects that. That would be a big deal. That would be. Exercise. Exercise, sleep, uh, proper diet, particularly Mediterranean diet, all been shown to help with mood. You practice as a Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Laos. What does that mean to you? Like I told the patient yesterday, what it really means is that my accountability is not to them. It's not to their insurance company, it's to God, to try to do the best job we can to get them where they need to be so that they can fulfill God's will for their lives. And ultimately, the gift of that intimacy, that relationship with God, the ultimate hope is where it's at. You came through uh, your treatment program at Duke University, uh, studied under a pioneering Christian psychiatrist, Dr. Bill Wilson. What was it like, Dr. Lyles, and what did he instill in you? What was the gift you think he really just imparted and poured into your life? To summarize, Dr. Bill, as we would call him, and all of the people that studied with him, he was emphatic about the fact that we had to be the best doctors we could be because if you're going to name the name of Christ, it behooves you to have an excellence about your clinical work. But to always remember at the end of the day, it's not about just getting the person clinically well, 
It's about them developing a relationship with the God of eternity. For those who are listening uh, right now, Dr. Lyles, they may be driving home from work, maybe in the office, maybe they're at home, maybe they're an 18-wheeler somewhere, and they're battling. They've tuned in, they've turned it up, and they're hanging on, and they're teetering, saying, God, what am I going to do? What do you say to them in closing? Dr. Lyles, I'm going to throw the closing word into you. Pray that God will lead you to that safe person that you can be honest with, the person that you can stop playing games with and be real and authentic with and be able to really submit yourself to God and have him lead you to the place of healing and health that he has for you. You're not forgotten. You're not abandoned. Uh, God is still there. And though you may fall, you will not be utterly cast down because the Holy Spirit will pick you up and lead you. Our special guest again today, Dr. Michael Lyles, leading Christian psychiatrist out of Atlanta, Georgia, dear friend uh, on the board of the American Association of Christian Counselors and more. Dr. Lyles, thanks again for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. It takes a little time sometimes to get your feet back on the ground. It takes a little time sometimes to get the Titanic turned back around. It takes a little time sometimes, but baby, you're not going down. It takes more than you got right now. It takes a little time sometimes to get your feet back on the ground. Our special guest again today has been Dr. Michael Lyles, a leading Christian psychiatrist out of Atlanta, Georgia, dear friend, brilliant man who loves the Lord, who understands some of the big challenges we wrestle with every day. Let me say this, if you or someone you love is wrestling with depression, bipolar disorder, some other mental challenge, listen to me, do something about it. Don't let it go untreated. Don't live in denial. Because 80 to 90% of people actually seek out some type of help. They get the relief they're looking for. And you know what? God has raised up a generation of counselors, of pastors who are sensitive to these issues now. People just like Dr. Michael Lyles, a godly Christian psychiatrist. You can learn more about how to find a counselor in your area by visiting the website of the American Association of Christian Counselors. That's aacc.net, aacc.net. And as always, you can find that information and more at our website at lifeloveandfamily.net, lifeloveandfamily.net, our toll-free number, 855-455-3264. You're gonna find videos, books, resources, and more to help you deal with those life-challenging issues. At the end of the day, we're coming to you on this station every day at this time because of one thing. We care about your relationship with God. We care about you developing strong relationships with those you love the most. Your marriage, your family, your friends, your coworkers, and more. All for what? For God's glory. Again, if we can be of help to you, lifeloveandfamily.net, our toll-free number, 855-455-3264. Thanks for listening. Life, Love, and Family. Women in Depression. Get confidential help. 1-877-257-9612. Women addicted to alcohol or drugs? Get confidential help. 
257-9612. Women with anxiety or eating disorders, trauma, and PTSD get confidential help. Timberline Knowles Residential Treatment Center, 1-877-257-9612 or TimberlineKnowles.com. You know the feeling where you're tired and unmotivated and sometimes you get mad for no reason. And maybe you don't like what it's doing to your family or to your job. That's why the Center for Counseling and Health Resources has been there for people for more than 30 years. They take a whole person care approach that'll look at everything from your nutrition, your vitamin balances, your mind, your spirit. Call 1-888-771-5166. Or for help right now, visit aplaceofhope.com. 